This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hey, welcome back to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we just had a great segment with someone from Wegmans. We love Wegmans. I'm hungry. (laughs) I'm hungry, but we learned a lot about their sustainability practices. And it was just a really nice conversation to see, like... Why they're on the best places to work for more than 20 years. Yeah. Biggest takeaway for me, hands down, embarrassed I did not know this because this is our field of study, how detrimental to the environment it is to have food scraps biodegrading in landfills without oxygen releasing methane. Well, I often think about the cows farting and right. methane emissions that way, but not just like well, food rot. And this is a thing. I was just on Food 52, you know, very popular food site and food blog. And and uh, an author was saying, you know, just like so many of you have, we've decreased eating meat in our family because of a priority around the environment. So I hear, you know, I hear that all the time. That's certainly a part of the food movement right now. You know, meatless Mondays and all these different trends. But to think about you know, non-meat, any food waste, releasing methane because of how it's being, uh, you know, trashed. It's really startling. I didn't know. Yeah. So that, know. that's the big, that's the underscored point for me to uh, to take away from this. I'll have to talk to my my neighbors about a compost pile. Well, so it's interesting. Yeah, you'll have to talk to them first before you start it. But we're going to shift gears a little bit. But we're going to continue, I think, on the environmental conversation, mm-hmm. but with a surprising guest, in my opinion. <laughs> Our next guest is Yeni Solheim-Fuller, who's the Civic and Social Impact Manager at Niantic. In her role, she works to find ways to create real-world impact through technology Niantic creates, which we'll get more into, which includes Pokemon Go. Welcome to the show, Yeni. Hey, thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you, and I think most of our listeners, I'm just going to go out on a limb because I think Sandy and I were right there. We've heard of Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. but we had not heard of Niantic. Tell us more about Niantic. Sure. So uh, Niantic started back at Google as an experimental unit uh, in 2010, and um, really what we were trying to do is get more people outside. So John Hankey, who's our CEO, started the group, and he was looking to combine his experience in mapping and games in a way to get more people moving and exploring and socializing with one another in the real world. Excellent. And is that in response to a demand from the gaming community to, you know, increase connection and community around gaming? Is it was it a, a personal passion of, of his sort of what what market forces drove that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think people are necessarily talking about getting outside per se, um, but what John was seeing is his kids were inside playing video games, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes in the dark by themselves, and he thought, well, how can we use technology for good? How can we get people moving outside? And to be honest, at the beginning, people said, there's no way you're going to get gamers off the couch. You know, They don't want to go outside. But, of course, as we saw with Pokemon Go and with Ingress, which was our first AR game, that was not the case. People definitely went outside. And AR is augmented reality. So this is, you know, the fact that when we see folks in herds running around campus with their phones and the battery packs attached with their Pokemon Go, you know, they're seeing these characters overlaid in front of Penn's love statue or, you know, these different, you know, landmarks or places around, around the cities and communities. Was social impact 
baked into Pokemon Go from the beginning, or was it something that uh, was sort of added as a priority to the game when when you and Niantic got involved? Yeah, so that's a great question. For us at Niantic, social impact's really been a part of the company from the very beginning. Um, I started in 2011, and when we launched Field Trip, which was our first app, and then Ingress, we started hearing from people that because of the apps and the games that we were developing, they were going outside, they were losing weight, they were meeting people. And so there was this inherent good that happened because of the tech. And so even though it was organic from the beginning, we really kind of saw it take off with both Ingress and Pokemon Go. So um, in 2017, I suggested that we start an official social impact division at the company uh, where we spend most of our time amplifying what our tech already does, which is getting people outside, exploring, meeting each other, and exercising. All right. So I want to take a quick step back before we dig into that and say, you know, I knew Pokemon, I guess, from middle school, like the cards, the, the cards. Mm-hmm. I personally did not play it or, or interact with them, but I didn't know about them. And lest we think Nick and I were too cool to play no, Pokemon as we were cool, doing just, other nerdy not, things, other nerdy musical <laughs> things. Um, but, you know, I didn't know that it was a game. I didn't know anything about it. So, you know, Niantic, again, our listeners may not know that company by name, but, you know, how did the relationship with the Pokemon group uh, come about? Yeah, so that was uh, an original relationship back at Google. Um, There had been some kind of fun April Fool's jokes, which you can uh, learn about. Uh, And I think it was um, that relationship that originally started up uh, because um, one of the the people at Nintendo uh, had been playing Ingress and had seen the impact that it could make. And so we started talking to them about, okay, what could we do with the Pokemon brand, which is obviously, you know, a, an amazing brand that, that um, the Pokemon company and, and Nintendo have worked really hard to build up. And, you know, it just became this perfect situation um, where there was the acknowledgement and the understanding of that brand and then this amazing new augmented reality technology where you could go outside and actually see Pokemon in the real world and catch them. And what's the scale? Like, I, I think it's crazy how many people are using Pokemon 30% Go. 30% of our office has been known to flee, <laughs> flee their desks when there's a exciting Pokemon moment on campus. Yeah, so uh, we've had over a billion installs. Um, and that's, that's kind of grown, uh, since 2017. So, um, last summer, for example, we had tens of millions of trainers playing outside, um, and being active and, uh, playing with one another, which we're pretty excited about. And, and you guys have taken steps to sort of even formalize the impact commitment in 2015, um, in accordance with the World Economic Forum, you guys actually somehow adopted a, a formal acknowledgement of the sustainable development goals. There's a sustainable develop, development goals shirt, I think. I guess that's in something the in the game or on one of the characters. Tell us more. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we did two things with that. Um, during Davos, uh, the Davos event in Switzerland, we added temporary game locations all around the event, uh, encouraging everyone who was there to play the game and talk about the sustainable goals. And then in addition, 
to make sure that we included our players from around the world, we created an in-app avatar shirt. So an avatar is, you know, it's a... Your little um, character. Your own, yeah, exactly. Your character. You can dress them up how you want. And you can choose to have a sustainable development goal T-shirt on, which is another way to kind of show what types of things you support in-game. So cool. You know, we uh, sort of sitting here at a research institution are always curious about measuring the impact. Uh, certainly Pokemon Go has a lot of you know possible ways, dimensions on which to measure the impact and the engagement of their user community. Can you talk a little bit about the areas where that intersects with the factors you're looking to measure around impact? I mean, is it in uh, steps, you know, community building, these SDG shirts? Tell us what makes it a success in your mind. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, there's a lot of different factors. Um, I've mentioned before that we're kind of looking at how can we encourage as many people as possible to go outside and explore and exercise and, you know, interact with one another. Um, For us, a lot of that kind of hangs on a couple of things. So physical activity, physical health is linked to other things like mental health. Mm -hmm. And our players have walked billions of kilometers since launch, which is a pretty astounding number. Um, We also focus on education. So how can we use our game to encourage people to learn about interesting and important topics? Uh, And then we're focused on sustainability. And the reason that we're focused on that is because we have players all around the world who are actively exploring the world. And so we kind of see it as a responsibility to think about, okay, how can we encourage our players and ourselves to treat the earth better, right? To find ways to use the games that we're already playing to make a positive impact. Because when you have this many players, just a tiny little change from each of them makes a huge difference in overall impact. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, and we're speaking with Yenny Solheim-Fuller, Civic and Social Impact Manager at Niantic. So, Yenny, I'm curious. Let's jump into each of those three um, a little bit deeper. So, you, so you mentioned health. Um, I was struck the other day reading something that you know the greatest uh, improvement in, in health is for people who who don't exercise at all sort of getting from none to some. Do you have any idea about your user base? I mean, are these folks who are trading their daily jog for a a Pokemon activity or are these people who are trading couch time for a Pokemon activity? Yeah, that's that's a um, really fun topic for us because it just depends. So we have lots of different types of people playing our games. It's not just one person. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there, Um, but we're lucky enough to hear from a lot of them. So we hear from them through email, through snail mail letters, through social media. That's nice that someone playing video games is still sending a handwritten letter. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes it's it's someone who's eight years old. Sometimes it's someone who's 80 years old. I've heard a lot about the senior citizen Pokemon community being being a thing yeah, right exactly and that's a pretty amazing thing that you you don't normally see that especially in games when you know one one side of the living population is directly interacting with the other side and we hear from them hey you know what i haven't really left my house in six months because i don't have anyone to interact with but now because of pokemon go i'm outside walking every day and i've lost 40 pounds wow or you know, I met someone that is now my girlfriend or I met someone who wants to be my friend. Right. And right? I'm imagining. So there are these sort of like, are they called gyms when people come together? 
or a yeah, that's right. So you're probably thinking about when players play together at a gym yes. or a raid. So yes. to touch a specific because I won't spot. name names. We have some team members who are like, "Can I scoot out?" Like, there's a gym <laughs> happening, and and you know it's a big deal. But right, it's calling together all these individual players who might not know each other that are geographically co-located at a point in time. And to your point, that could be a seven-year-old and a seventy-seven-year-old. Right. Pretty cool. So, um, so the health, you know, certainly a lot of focus on fitness and, and movement. And then you talk about the associated mental health, you know, benefits when it comes to, you know, sustainability and, and act and education and using this platform, you know, what, what do you guys do? Do you provide fun facts when you're near lakes and rivers and parks about the environment? You know, how do you sort of push those two pieces of the agenda? And you have something around Earth Day coming up, too. So maybe this is a good time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So we have ongoing events uh, in which we help to sponsor or support um, some local events. That's usually, you know, some cleanup or sustainable goals celebration or something like that in which we might put in temporary game locations that uh, list the facts. And then we have this Earth Day campaign, which is an annual campaign to encourage all of our players around the world to get outside and help clean up. Uh, The way that we do that is we partner with local NGOs in as many countries as possible to host these cleanup events for our players. And then based on attendance and participation, we release in-game rewards for these players after the Earth Day event. And that is what day? April 12th? This year, that's actually running from April 13th through April 28th. Um, And that way, we're more inclusive of people around the world who have various holidays on different weekends Mm -hmm. and also because Earth Day falls on a Monday this year. Got it. Makes total sense. Any uh, measurement of this impact historically? Yeah. So last year um, we had 68 events around the world and our players picked up almost seven tons of trash, which we thought was pretty amazing. Um, This year we're shooting for even higher and so far, we have 113 events scheduled. So we're already above and beyond where we were last year. Um, we're also giving out grants to a small number of NGOs uh, who will implement impact initiatives post-cleanup events. So not only will the players impact the community one day, one time, but there will be additional programs post-event uh, that will help improve the community and the, the sustainable initiatives in that area. That's super cool. And and I think this is a little different, but I think you guys have something with the Night Fellows. Like there's a Niantic Night Fellows program like where tech projects and impact come together too. So what's that about? Yeah, so uh, we have a partnership with Knight Foundation, which is a really awesome foundation. Uh, they work to really invest in communities across the U.S. And our fellows program is a way for us to empower local community members to use our technology to do to do good in their community. So we just wrapped up um, our final or our first fellows program. A colleague of mine by the name of Leah led that, and uh, it was really amazing because we just worked directly with these individuals who had won the, the grants for the fellowship, and then they were able to go out in their communities, host various programs and events to help promote things like sustainability and education. Oh, that's cool. So did they kind of they came up with their own projects and then got to implement them with the grant funding? 
Exactly. Yeah. So we just approved those, um, helped support them in the ways that they needed, and then they were able to run with it. And that way, you know, it's not it's not like technology folks working in Silicon Valley trying to tell some small community in Oklahoma what they should be doing, but instead turning it around and en- enabling those community members to run it on their own. And can you give us an example of something that, you know, might not have been cooked up in Silicon Valley, but um, in that Oklahoma small town or Nick's Kansas hometown <laughs> or something like this ended up being very impactful? Yeah. So um, we had a fellow by the name of Joey Allen in Macon, Georgia, um, who was really interested in finding ways to get the community to support their local library more. And at the time that he joined us, um, the library had actually been shut down which is kind of surprising. Yeah, <laughs> very sad. Um, yeah, but what he did is he spoke to community leaders and the, the city government there and said, hey, what can we do to reopen this library, You know, bring together all of our community members, which a lot of them are players that play Niantic games, um, and appreciate the library on a, at a one-time event and then on an ongoing basis. So how can we get the community to engage more? And they were able to do that. So the library was reopened, and um, they had a bunch of people sign up for library memberships and really start to understand and appreciate the library for what it is versus forgetting about it and just, you know, staring at your screen inside all day. Sure. Well, that's, I mean, I imagine, I don't know actually much about libraries, but I have to imagine it's an, it's, it is an institution whose identity is being forced to evolve in a very, very big way these days. And probably couldn't really benefit from hitching its star to a, a technological wagon. Well, and two two things on that. One, random fact, I, I read the other day that Macon, Georgia has more cherry blossom trees than Washington, D.C., mm. which I thought was interesting given this time of year. Yes. But two, on the library piece, um, actually, in, in one of the NGOs I used to work for in D.C., we did a lot of library work mm. um, internationally. And it's really fascinating to know, you know, a lot of people just assume, like, I go to the library, I get a book, and then I rent it, or, mm-hmm. you know, I, and then I take it out. But it, they really are community hubs, and mm-hmm. that's what I think the, the new library movement is all about, is mm-hmm. trying to create that, because it's, it's the place that someone can go do their resume, mm-hmm. you know, on a computer for free and check yep. their email or whatever, apply for jobs, um, and then literacy and, you know, just a lot of mm-hmm. other types of community-based activities. So it is very interesting, um, Yenny, to hear that, you know, Niantic is sort of getting involved through this sort of microgrant or, or this type of fellowship opportunity with, with libraries. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask a uh, less fun question, but, um, you know, outside looking in, I feel like part of the dialogue around, you know, video games and tech can be cyberbullying and, you know, sort of um, the darker arts of the, you know, online gaming communities. Do you see that showing up in, in Pokemon Go when it has this, you know, face-to-face community dimension? Or is there something unique that that is... Uh, bringing to that conversation? Yeah, so um, we see that a lot when we look at console games, right? There's a lot of these internal chat boxes that you can be anonymous in Mm -hmm. or kind of hide your identity. And we've learned from studies that when you can hide part of yourself, you're much more likely to behave in a negative way. Mm, Sounds like the comments on every article I read on Facebook. Right. (laughs) If you think about meeting with someone in person, um, and when you're meeting up with a shared goal of uh, catching this Pokemon, you're much less likely to behave in a negative way, right? You're Mm -hmm. actually there as a part of the community versus um, against one another. 
And so we've been pretty lucky um, in that our games are just kind of inherently encouraging that positive behavior. Uh, and that's something that we're always thinking about and always kind of watching for to make sure that uh, we encourage even more of that. I think that's really that's a really interesting question, Sandy, because like cyberbullying is a big deal, and and it's interesting to hear how sort of augmented reality bringing people out of out of their living rooms or their basements mm-hmm. or bedrooms where they're playing other types of games, you know, how it could change that mm-hmm. um, and and evolve. But um, I I have kind of a sweet spot for national parks and oh, and all of same. that. And yep. and I was just looking at your impact report that Niantic put out from 2018, and it says. 331 national parks, rivers, and trails visited. So how do you how do you think about that part of your work? So we're partnered with the National Park Foundation. Um, and the way that, that we measured that was really around, hey, our games already get people outside. How can we encourage them to start hiking and exploring their national parks? You know, there's these amazing parks all across the country. Some of them are very popular, but some of them are not, and they're not as well known. So how can we encourage our players to go out there and explore those? And so we came up with a a campaign to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Rivers and Trails legislation. And we told players, if you go outside and you explore one of your national parks and or rivers and trails that's covered under this uh, legislation, then we will um, send you a patch, a physical patch that kind of commem- commemorates your dedication to the park. It's cute. And, I saw it online. Um, it sort of looks like a like a Girl Scout. Or I Boy was going to say the Girl badge. Scout in you is coming out, Sandy. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, you know, what was kind of fun, too, is that we heard from players in different countries who said, hey, we really want to do this, too. Oh, neat. Um, how can we be involved, right? And that's just a really great thing for people to be proactively asking how they can um, be outside more. <laughs> I think that's a pretty great thing. So, Yenny, can you remind our listeners again when the Earth Day stuff is happening and sort of what how they might get more involved with their local community, whether they're through gyms or these other types of meetups? Yeah. So um, all of the events are running from April 13th through the 28th. And you can find all of the events that are run by NGOs on our website, which is niantic.playmob.com. We've also written about it in our blog and on all of our social channels, so you can find the links pretty easily there. Um, so players or community members, you don't necessarily have to play our games, um, can either sign up with these officially sanctioned events or you can run your own event. So let's say you live in an area where you know you don't have a cleanup or you're busy uh, each weekend. You can host your own cleanup. And then you can email us at social-impact at nianticlabs.com with your results, and we'll include that in our final impact report. Oh, nice. So it's a little crowdsourced in terms of the data that you're getting. Yeah. We, you know, we really wanted to include as many people as possible. And frankly, if someone wants to go outside and help clean up their neighborhood, we want to support that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So in the next minute or so, what are you most excited about next? Is it this event or, or what's on the horizon for you all in social impact? So we're really excited about figuring out how we can scale our social impact. So how can we empower even more people to use our games in a positive way to make a positive impact? You know, what what can one individual do in their community um, to start moving this world forward. And that's what really drives us and inspires us. 
Well, that's that, I think that's a great way because I'm a little inspired. Sandy, I think you're a little inspired. Are you going to get the badge? No. You know, I have like no apps. But I do think um, as a parent, you know, like to hear about this tech, this sort of video game versus another sort of video game. I've seen folks, you know, hunger down for six hours sitting in a on a couch playing other types. You know, I'm going to I'm going to sort of my thumbs on the scale for Pokemon Go. Nice. I think that's great. So thank you so much. We've been speaking with Yenny Solheim Fuller, the Civic and Social Impact Manager at Niantic. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have a question about something you heard on today's show, email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com and be sure to follow our show on Twitter at BizRadio132 and at Wharton Social. Once again, special thank you to our guests. I'd also like to thank our program director, Patty Hall, as well as our sound engineer, Jeff Simmons, and producer, Matt Datz. I'm Nick Ashburn with Sandy Hunt. You've been listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 